Doug is back to fire off some takes, and we let him do so. Plus, we talk about trade value and, of course, the idea of the Charlotte Hornets do nothing. We'll get to all of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com slash promo code locked on. Not slash promo code, just promo code locked on. Doug is back. <laughs> He's got the honeycomb scarf on. He's standing up. You can catch him every hornetsboxscore.com. That's his sub stack. You can go check that out. Uh, this is what happens when you miss time is that, and it, it doesn't matter if it's a segment, it doesn't matter if it's a whole show. God forbid. You miss multiple shows. You're going to come back firing. You have thoughts. You have takes. And that is why you see the first bullet point there is Doug Ranson, because I look in the rundown today and you need to get this off your chest. You have something to say mm-hmm. about this. You have something mm-hmm. to say about that. And mm-hmm. I'm not surprised at all. This is how you operate, Doug. You need to have some kind of ventilation system for you. <laughs> this is what you need. You need to vent. And this is what you have right now uh, in the podcast. And so the whole first segment is going to be dedicated to you. Well, this show keeps my marriage alive because this is where I come <laughs> to rant. And then I don't, you know, I don't take that home with me. So uh, thank you. And and I'm sure producer Katie thanks you as well for, for enduring what you're about to endure. Because I did something, Walker, that I rarely do when I'm out. And that's listen to the show. I actually listened to the show that you and David did. Uh, and you talked about LaMelo Ball getting clubbed in the head, getting fouled yep. time after time, and not getting a call that he deserves, but is not getting the call. And you went through a lot. You had a lot of great context. You talked Uh-oh. about all of the, the issues from all of the angles. <laughs> and, and you talked about the referees. And you talked about LaMelo Ball. But I think we're missing one person in this conversation. Would you like to take a guess at who that person is? Um, is it me? Is it somehow no. my fault that, that LaMelo is not getting any calls? I, I, well, yes. I, that's what my guess is going to be. Well, yes, it's because you criticize his shooting early on, and now the basketball gods are punishing you for criticizing LaMelo Ball. Very early, early on. on. Yes. Yeah. Yes, very early on. Uh, no, it's Steve Clifford. Because, Walker, yeah. I waited to the end of that game, and I saw all the things that happened, all the unfair things that were happening to LaMelo Ball. And I was just waiting for Steve Clifford to, you know, open up the wallet for once, open up the wallet and say something, get something on the record that his star player is being mistreated by these officials. And and it and it needs to stop before LaMelo Ball gets injured again. And I didn't hear it. There was nothing. Maybe, maybe it wasn't asked. I don't know. I didn't hear it. And, you know, I think it's time for the coach to stand up and say, hey, you know, protect my guy out there. He's getting killed. Oh, well, Doug, he, he might only have one season, though. That contract is not as lengthy as the other contracts he signed in his life. So this is a money play, and I don't I don't mind it one bit if Steve Clifford wants to hold on to every single one of those pennies he's earning this year because he might not earn much more. He's doing – Steve Clifford's doing just fine, I feel like. I mean, you know, I mean, I think he could <laughs> afford one. He doesn't do it very often. How many times in the history of Steve Clifford and Charlotte have we heard him – you know, really criticize the officials in such a way that he would be fine. 
I, I can, I'm, I'm sure there was one time, but I can't think of like multiple times right off the dome. W- wouldn't this be yeah. the one time that you would want to do it with your star player getting absolutely manhandled by the Milwaukee Bucks and not getting a call? Well, we, we actually heard him not do enough to be fined, but we actually heard his frustration with the refs against the Hawks after that game. And to be fair, if you are a Hornets fan, you only have a couple of uh, coaches to choose from and try to remember if they got fined because of their disappointment in the refs. You have Steve Clifford this time, you have James Borrego, and then you have Steve Clifford the last time he was here, and then you have to go back even further. And so I, I, to be honest with you, I can't remember a time specifically about Borrego doing that. I'm sure there is as well, but you're right. Yes, Steve Clifford would have been nice to have Clifford come in and say, you know what, that's inexcusable from the refs. And and maybe you're right, Doug, honestly, with the Borrego thing, I, th- I think maybe he got frustrated in that Hawks playoff game. I mean, I think we criticized Borrego for it because we're like, there were many things you could do. I, maybe I'm misremembering that. Um, but yes, I, I hear you. I'm just glad it's not my fault, to be honest with you. Well, and look, you know, we know that Steve Clifford is not afraid to tell the refs what he thinks during the game. You can hear That's that on the right. microphones, especially at a half empty, you know, Spectrum Center game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I, I really, it is, you know, I, I often talk about how like sitting too close to the court can be cool, but also a detriment because the viewing angles stink. But the hearing angles when you sit close are great because you hear Clifford just absolutely eviscerate the referees. Uh, and and he's just really not afraid to tell. And he's gotten technicals this season. But I'm saying there's a difference between that and then going out and getting it on the record on the media. Hey, my guy is being mistreated out there. It's got to stop. You know, there is a level of pressure that I think – We'll move through the league if that kind of thing starts to happen. And, and you know, you don't have to do it every game. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, one time come out and say, hey, and this was the game because I thought particularly this game, you know, he got he got really handled. And also Giannis. Like, get out yep. of here, Giannis. What are you doing clubbing guys? And that? Like, you're a superstar. You know, I think, I think superstars should, like, respect other superstars, especially in a game you're going to win. Like, that, that game, I know it got close at the end. But with Chris Middleton, you know, he was he was back and and he was doing everything that that he should have been able to do in that previous game when the Hornets won. Like this game was not in doubt. And I, Giannis, come on, like ease up. You're you're gonna go on and, and compete for a championship. Leave us something instead of trying to take out our guy. Come on. There's a lot of old heads that hate you for that because that's exactly what's wrong with the NBA. That the superstars are all friends and that they should take it easy on each other. No, they want to be cutthroat. They want their superstars to be cutthroat and they love Giannis for it. Well, that's here's here's the thing. That's fine. And mm-hmm. in a league where that's accepted and, and expected, that would be fine. Okay. If that's how everybody played and you know it was the 90s and it's Knicks and Bulls and Heat, everybody hates each other, wants to get in fist fights on the court, that's fine. I just watched this UNC Pitt game, like one of the first college basketball games I've watched uh, you know, first half through the second half in a long time. And that thing oh. was a brawl. It was crazy. Like the, the college game is so, like, if you love nineties basketball, just watch the, the college games. Well, that one was a little different there. There's bad blood there for sure, but you're <laughs> yeah, right. You got, it's crazy. you got some physicality in that one. Yeah. No it's nuts. So look, if that's the way the game was played now, then fine, but it's not, and you don't expect it. And, and also like, I, I just think there's a level of, you know, stars understanding other stars and not, and again, not clubbing guys in the head. I mean, you gotta, you gotta protect the dome. All right. Last, last rant from Doug Ranson here today. You have, you want to have also a word 
with the NBA All-Star Illuminati, as well as uh, you wanted to talk about Mark Williams, Rising Stars Challenge snub. So go off on Mark Williams and the Illuminati. Look, no one on this show understands the level of like young big play that we have in this league <laughs> and the level of young big play that the Hornets passed up <laughs> when they had opportunities to take Walker Kessler, when they had opportunities to take my guy, Jalen Duran. But I'm, I'm happy with the way that Mark Williams has played. I'm thrilled with the way he's played this year. I understand the small sample size, but this isn't an actual all-star bid. We're talking about the Rising Stars Challenge. And I don't think you can watch the, the small sample size that we have of Mark Williams and not say, hey, this guy really has the potential to be a rising star in this league. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if there's like a roster size limit, but I just really feel like if you're a top, if you're a lottery pick or right outside the lottery, like let's say, say top 15, you really need an excuse not to play you. Like, we need to look at your game, and either you don't play at all, or you do play and you stink. You know, those are the two things. But Mark Williams did play a little bit, and he doesn't stink. So he should be in the Rising Stars Challenge. There should be more players, not less players, when it comes to the rising... Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm getting so heated. I knocked my keyboard out of the way. Anyway, that's it. I'm good. I'm good now. Thank you. You're good. Uh, Mark okay, Williams should no be in the Rising right. Stars Challenge. Yeah, there you go. All right. That's Doug Ranson. We'll just go down to a normal level of Doug Branson coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I won't destroy my computer equipment. Yeah, please don't do that. We rely on that heavily for the production value of the show. But instead of the production value, let's talk about the trade rental value. What do we think you could get on the market for Kelly Oubre, who is not going into uh, who is actually on a contract year, I should say, and is not locked in. And same thing with Mason Plumley. What would you get for both of those guys on the trade market? We'll get to that in just a moment, but not before I talk about prize picks. Prize picks is a fantastic app, and here's how you work. Uh, here's how it works. You can pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available, and prize picks offers projections projections on any sport you watch the nba the nfl the mlb college men's and women's basketball college football when it's in season soccer the wnba saw the liberty make a huge move yesterday nascar tennis euro basketball cricket all right i'm done but prize picks is not there's still plenty of other sports that you could choose from entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy you have safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 states and even canada so download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 with promo code locked on if you deposit 100 prize picks gives you 100 if you deposit 50 prize picks gives you 50 you get the idea don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Trade rental value coming up next on Locked On Hornets. Is Locked On Hornets. But I have seen him go all That's the way up fault. to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we I need to get trying, out of here? Okay, here's the thing. My, I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off and I was trying to silence it. And then I accidentally hit ping the phone and then the phone pinged. And, and now here we are. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes... It seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move to Sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
All right, Doug, Sam Vecini of The Athletic wrote a little trade value piece on The Athletic about a bunch of different teams. Toronto, OG Ananobi is one of the biggest names out there that could be had possibly. So started off the article with that, but also included is the Charlotte Hornets and a couple of rental players that they have um, on their roster right now. So among them, you have Kelly Oubre, who's 27 years old, and we still don't know when he would come back. We do know that he's not going to come back before the trade deadline. We did see, I believe, a video from Rod Boone um, of Kelly shooting, warming up, but not with his left hand. So he's only Mm -hmm. shooting with his right hand, not really using that left hand right now. Righty tighty. which is key. Yep. That that's what Rod said, I believe in the tweet. And then Mason Plumley, <laughs> 32 years old. He's also uh, on a contract year. So we'll see exactly, you know, what you could get from Mason Plumley. PJ Washington, mm-hmm. also interesting. Maybe we can get to him at the end. Um, but Sam Bassini wrote about Mason Plumley first. Let's start there, Doug. And while Matt Moore, he put out there earlier this week, that maybe the Hornets would be looking for a first round pick in exchange for Mason Plumley. You and I both thought that would be far fetched. Even if he, even if he's playing well, I just don't see a team giving up a first round pick and really neither does Sam. So he was talking about Mason being an underrated player, at least on some kind of national level, but really you're probably looking at getting multiple second round picks from Mason. That is probably mm-hmm. the price that you would pull the trigger on a potential trade. Do you agree multiple second round picks with whatever buffering you want to have on either side of that? Yeah, I think ironically, if Mason Plumley made more money, then he would probably garner that first round pick. And not like, well, I'm not talking about like Russell Westbrook, $40 million money. But if you were talking about bringing Mason Plumley and all of the skills that he has displayed in terms of handling the basketball, passing the basketball, he's one of the best passing bigs <laughs> that we have in the league right now, which is crazy to say, but it's not not true. And and he's also shown an ability to raise his scoring game as well. So you package all that. But if he were making like $20 million, you know, then it's like, okay, I get to clear some some books. I get to use whatever I can from Mason to make this playoff run. And then we get to reset with that amount of money. Then it would be different. But I think at the, the level he is now, it's a little tough to make that first round argument. I think multiple seconds makes a lot more sense, but I would be pushing that first round right up until the last couple of seconds of the deadline and hold one of those other deals, you know, in my hand, ready to pull the trigger right before. Uh, just keep 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 putting the keep putting the foot on the gas and seeing what you can get out of all these guys. Well, and then lastly, Sam does kind of put out the idea of Charlotte and Plumley extending that contract for one more year at around the eight to 10 million mark before trading him. And so I don't know if you're a team that you would want another year on that deal or if you would want it to be expiring. Right. Because that that's a tough one where you talk about the varying values of the contract. If you were to go, let's call a sweet spot, something like 15 million, right? Because 20 is still a lot at the end of the day. But Mm -hmm. when you talk about, say, 15 million for Mason, that would be a little more valuable on an expiring. So you could sweeten the deals on whatever kind of trade you're trying to make. A lot of money comes off of the books. But if you're talking about him having one more year left, right, and then it's only eight to 10, then that actually makes it more attractive. If you want Mason to be a depth piece going forward, it would help because now you're not giving up second round picks for somebody that is probably going to leave the franchise anyway, or at least has a very real possibility of leaving the franchise. So some interesting chess moves to make regarding Mason Plumley. 
Yeah, it doesn't kill you to keep him, right? Especially if you believe that Mark Williams, and I believe this, that he's going to be ready to start sooner rather than later. Could start right now. Now, it's going to, it's going to hurt Mark in terms of his ability to play for the rest of the season unless they make that call and say, all right, we're going to keep Mason. But now, Mason, hey, you got to you got to take a seat or go to the bench because we really want to start Mark. They can, they certainly can do that. Uh, but then next season, if you think Mark's going to be ready to start, then you got Mark. Maybe you have Wimby. You got enough size on the floor at that point. And then Mason can be the quality backup center that he is. He's just, that's what all of these people are writing about. And it's what you and I have been saying for a long time and seeing it on a regular basis that there's nothing wrong with Mason Plumley. It's that he's miscast right now as a starting center uh, miscast in terms of what this team has wanted to achieve which is playoff success he's not the starting big on on a team that can win a first round series or a second round series or so on so yeah I mean I, I think but a rental makes sense for a lot of team for a lot of teams keeping Mason Plumlee for the Hornets you know if they can get him at that number for another season because he makes your team better. You know, I mean, when you play him next season with some of these young guys, as you shift into more of a rebuilding mode, like he can make other guys look good. And there's a value in that. Well, yeah. And just to be clear, Sam was talking about that before trading him. So you would extend him before trading him instead of the idea of keeping him even just another year in order to make that trade value more right because of the whole if you rent him then he's gone this offseason you gave up a couple picks or you give up a couple picks and then you have control over it so that's just what sam was thinking i and i get that honestly but doesn't seem like you do as much well because i think that both mason Plumley and kelly if they were traded to the right situations see i i separate the rental idea into two groups there's the rental that you're not really sure or you are sure that they're not coming back, that they're going going to move to greener pastures. And then there's the rental situation where you go, no, actually, we got a puncher's chance at keeping this player. And and I think that both Mason Plumley, if Mason Plumley finds a good playoff situation where where he can get solid minutes as a backup, now if he's traded somewhere where he's third on the death chart, yeah, you're going to lose him. But you want you would want to lose that player anyway at that number. So, but if he's in a good situation, Kelly too. Like I, I did. I thought Kelly was just going to have one year here and and move to a playoff situation. But he obviously values a, a whether you're a playoff team or not. He values he values good coaching, and he values a good situation where he can utilize his skills in the best way possible. And I just think those are the kind of players that you can rent and be confident that you can make them a good pitch to stay. So I, I don't. I just I disagree with Sam there. I don't think that extending it makes any sense until you're, you're sure you want to keep them in the next season. So let's get to Kelly Oubre then. You know, Kelly Oubre also contract season, right? I mean, it was non-guaranteed coming into the year, and now you don't know what his contract is going to look like. they got to negotiate that with whatever team ends up getting him. But Kelly Oubre has ligament damage in his left hand, and it's been four weeks now. Um had an impressive scoring run. Certainly the, the the best stretch of basketball we've seen from Kelly is the first half of last year. And then in the first half of this year, maybe, maybe a little bit more consistent in the way he played. I don't know if the shot was dropping at a more consistent level, but I, I did like there, there was a different style in the way that he was going out there on the court, but we know that Kelly Oubre, he's helping you as a scorer. And I know defensively, he was leading to more deflections this year. That was different than the year prior. And so deflections, I thought that mattered. I still don't look at Kelly as some lockdown defender, 
but the deflections were there. And so that was something that could raise his value here. Mostly Kelly Oubre is helping you as a scorer. You're not trading him for his deflection rate. You're trading mm -hmm. for him because of his ability to score off of the bench. And if he has ligament damage in his hand and you're only getting him on a rental, a shorter one than you'd get with Mason, by the way, because if the deadline's the ninth and he's not going to be ready to come back right then and there, plus you yep. have the whole rust thing, this one's going to be hard. Like, and I, and I know Kelly, you might value him more, but for what are you, are you willing to give up something of value for, I mean, how many games did you get from Kelly? I don't, do you want to call it 25? I, I don't know. So that, that one's going to be harder to me in my opinion, Doug. Well, it's going to be a team that needs one more shooter for a playoff run, right? I mean, that's it's, it's not about the games that you're going to get for the re rest of the regular season run. It really is like a team that's confident, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to make a deep run. We can utilize this guy's shooting. Uh, we need, we, or, or we either need one more shooter or we just have zero shooting. And, and anything that we could get from Kelly Oubre, and I know the shooting numbers haven't been great, and you got to worry about the hand. All that's going to affect the value, but there is a body of evidence that says that Tsunami Poppy does still exist somewhere deep down inside of him. He's had to turn into Tsunami Father for this team's sake uh, because they've had so many injuries. You know, he had to put his head down and go to the cup. But I think it, there is a <laughs> there is a alternate universe where the Hornets stayed completely healthy. And Kelly never did that. And he was the same Kelly that he was last season, which is also super valuable. The, the Hornets aren't shooting. Uh, they, they can get into situations where they don't shoot a lot of threes. Now, they did against Milwaukee because Milwaukee sits all the way back and lets you shoot as many threes as you want, especially against teams that don't shoot it particularly well like the Hornets. But take tonight's game against Chicago. Chicago does not let you shoot threes. They didn't in that previous matchup, and the Hornets didn't shoot a ton there, and they weren't shooting it well. So, you know, that's that's been a sort of key difference in the offense between this season and last season is that their key three-point shooters either have changed their games to accommodate the injuries or have been injured. And so we've seen less threes and less made threes. So a team's going to value that. It's just the value. Yeah, you're right. The value is going to be depressed. Well, the, the injury sucks for Kelly for, for all parties here because that mm -hmm. if he didn't get injured – let's just say he continues the same level of production, not anything yeah. higher, not anything lower, just same level of production. Then even, even that could allow you to do something, but you're talking about ligament damage on your shooting hand. And that's how you make your money in this league. That that's tough for the Hornets it's tough for Kelly. And it's tough for anybody that saw it after uh, Kelly at the trade deadline. Just really quick. Do you envision Kelly Oubre in a Hornets uniform next season? No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't either. Yeah. yeah. So, and we'll see whether that comes with something in return or not. We'll discuss it coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Have you ever considered this, Doug? I don't know if you've ever talked about this before, though. Have you considered the Hornets maybe doing nothing? Have you thought about that? <laughs> oh, no! No! <laughs> We're going to get to it in just a moment, but not before we talk about FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and this year the only app you need at your Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl party, I've done that twice now, is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. 
you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. Yes, $3,000 if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use, and best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat-first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL one more segment to go on locked on Hornets is locked on Hornets Mitch Kupchak will he do the thing that he has not done in season this anything time? the thing that he has not done it is always anything. comes back to do something <laughs> just do do one thing you need to get a stick from outside and become the meme <laughs> in person because that it always comes back to do something do something (laughs) it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast doug i think that's your do something shirt you wear it anytime we're gonna have shirt as i was in that in that bump Locked on. It's a good one, right? I mean, you wear Nike with just do it, and you wear locked mm-hmm. on with do something. That's our motto on this podcast. We're altering it just a little bit. You know, in my life philosophies, uh, I don't spend a ton of money on clothes. I spend, I spend, I take that money and I spend it on on fancy tech for the show. But you know, we're on YouTube now. Might have to uh, consult. Mm-hmm. I, I do the hats, obviously, but the t-shirts. I haven't bought yeah. a lot of t-shirts, so I just rotate these t-shirts in and out. But uh, yeah, might have to uh, might have to invest in a little little locked maybe some locked on Hornets gear, you know, maybe make some uh, official gear for the show. That would be cool, man. I know you used to have it, right? This is before I came around that you had some locked on T-shirts out there and some locked on. Yeah, apparel. and there are rules around this stuff with a network. Like we can't make a bunch of stuff and sell it as much as I'd love to. Uh, we can make some. We, now we could make some Stangin' or Clangin' shirts. We could do some stuff around the like oh, the branding dude. of yeah, there's of the show that's there. outside of Locked On Horse. So if you yeah, let us know in the comments what kind of T-shirts you uh, might be interested in, and I might whip something up in Photoshop or something. Do a little Stangin' or Clangin' shirt. That'd be cool. Stay in. I mean, what's great about this, too, just looking at the business model for this is you're going to come up with a saying every show. And and it's a great business model. We're we're just going to come up with something like stanging or clanging, stanging. We're going to come up with something like that. And when I say we, I mean you. And then we're just going to put it on a T-shirt and sell it. And you know what? I look. I, I would love to get some of the profit and doing zero of the work, making the t-shirt coming up with the phrase, none of that. So this is, is this going to be the creative difference that leads to the podcast breaking up like so many great bands before us? That's right. I didn't, well, I need to mass market the big dub hat too. Let's see if I can get <laughs> a little overseas manufacturing of uh, big dub hats and get them to our, um, you know, hundreds of fans. <laughs> That that that's fancy. Yes, the the hundred. There are dozens of us wearing the big dove hats. <laughs> dozens the, of I, us. I want to see dozens of us. I want to see Charlotte filled with antenna all over the place, just going around <laughs> the city of Charlotte. It's a big dove hat. See that went against the Rockets. It was awesome, man. Came down to the big wire, baby. Thought it'd be a uh, big dove hat time. And yeah, I can't wait for us to bring that out again. Although we'll see. More wins might mean worse odds for the Victor Wembenyama, Scoot Henderson, and we'll see if they're able to stack them up. And Doug, right now, you've talked about taking the keys away from Steve Clifford. The way you do that is by taking the players away from Steve Clifford. So Mason Plumley playing well, take him away. Kelly Oubre coming back. You don't want any of those nuclear seven three-point 
quarter games where he shoots 40 points and then is able to go crazy, take him away. Just don't even allow that opportunity to happen. Um, mm-hmm. That is the way to do it. But we also know that Mitch Kupchak has not been a big trade guy here in Charlotte. He was with the Lakers, huge deal maker. So we talked about a lot, but not here with the Charlotte Hornets. We've seen the Montrez Harrell trade. Yes, the first in-season move that he made via trade was going after Brad Wanamaker for cash considerations. I haven't looked up his stats. Brad Wanamaker was the guy that led us to his in-season moves, and that's it. So, Doug, what happens if the Hornets actually do nothing once again? I don't know that anything happens, except they probably win a few more basketball games and take themselves out of contention I really I think that's going to happen like if you look at the schedule they eventually get Kelly Oubre back Clifford wants to win now is there a scenario where they don't do anything and then somebody comes down from the front office and says hey Steve let's start playing Nick Richards and let's not play Mason Plumlee anymore let's play Book Knight instead of Kelly Oubre sure What does that do to Clifford's future in Charlotte? I think that would be the question there because we know he wasn't wasn't too thrilled to be part of a rebuild. Part of what attracted him back to this job was that it didn't seem like the organization was heading in that direction. It seemed like they were, no, we're going to take these pieces that we have and and try to make a run at this thing. And, And obviously fate got in the way there with the injuries. But how does Clifford take that? Do they lose Clifford um, to save the team, you know, to save their, their lottery odds? Uh, But yeah, if you look at the schedule, they've got more home games than road games they are done with the big road stretches. They're done with these like grueling, you know, stretches of of weeks where you're playing, you know, game, then day off game, then day off game, then day off and back to backs like all that's really out of the way. You know, I don't know strength of schedule wise where where they sit, but I know, you know, coming up, they've got the Bulls and then they've got back to back games against uh, Detroit and uh, uh, Orlando, and then they follow that up with the Wizards, who are playing better, but still uh, a team that they can beat. And right. we know too, we know too, Walker, that like as you get into February and March, and teams are getting into playoff positioning, we know that teams are going to rest, and they tend to rest on the road, which would be a home game for the Hornets, which they have more of. They would tend to rest on the road against inferior teams like the Hornets, and a healthy Hornets team is not going – their their performance won't be indicative of their record. They're going to sneak up on teams, and they're going to win if they play everybody. So, yeah, I'm I'm really scared about what that means. Yeah, if they win more games, then that's eventually going to hurt you. Like, look, the, the, the way that it helps is by not having this team lay down and you don't have this losing mentality going into next season. That's valuable, right? It's it's only so valuable, but it is valuable. Um, I, I don't think that – being in a position where you're bottom four, where you already have demonstrated an ability to get some wins this season, I'm going to take a guess and say, if PJ is a part of the future, he's not going to be devastated enough to where it affects him. I don't, I don't think it's going to affect LaMelo ball. So I would like to still have enough losses to have a pretty damn good shot at one Victor Wembanyama. There is a positive way to spin this though, Doug, just real quickly. And and it's, yeah. it's the one that scares you if Mitch Kupchak and, and his staff gets to it. It's the fact that if they say, wait a minute, you know, maybe maybe we trade the rentals. Maybe we trade Kelly Oubre and we trade Mason Plumley, and we mm-hmm. get something in return for those guys. And then <clears throat> we think we're going to lose a lot more anyway. Maybe Gordon Hayward gets hurt again. Certainly not going to put that past Gordon Hayward. 
And so you end up losing a lot. You still have a 14% chance at getting that number one overall selection. We end up getting one of those two guys. And then if you want to settle for third, that's fine. And now they come into a situation where you have LaMelo, you have PJ, you have Terry, you have Gordon, and we just have a lot more veterans than a lot of the other tanking teams. And so that is the positive way. If you think you can lose enough, that is the positive way to spin it. And here we are talking about them really having not done a whole lot um, even after that scenario. Well, and, they, and then Gordon's contract looks a lot better. So you could spin that into maybe bringing some some veterans back who have some championship experience that have some playoff experience that you could infuse into some of these young players that Gordon, even, you know, even if he had it, doesn't it doesn't feel like he wants to share it. Like he's just not a guy who's going to go in and like really get in with this group. He, he does all of his work on the court. So, yeah, I mean, if this draft didn't feature two players that nearly everyone is unanimous in saying these are one is an obvious like generational player franchise and the other scoot it can is going to be an elite player in this league like there just doesn't seem to be any doubt if that weren't the case then you and I I think would be having a different conversation about like the value of winning and the value of instilling that culture and you want to help players grow by playing well and if you don't play well I mean you know I can list off examples Sacramento which is eventually getting they had figured out, but it took them. <laughs> it's taken them like two decades. Yeah, they're all Orlando, examples, right? Like the yeah, Orlando is still figuring it out. So you know, right. I, you don't want to be in those situations. But look, this is a generational draft. I think you got to take that opportunity. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and we'll see how it all shakes on February 9th. All right, we have one more show to end the week, and then it will be trade deadline week. We'll have you set all across the board for that here on Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube, so check us out. Get that subscriber li- uh, list up. Also, smash that like, but we don't do that as much. I was watching one the other day. Smash that like button. Hit subscribe. <laughs> Make sure you press that bell so you know we dropped that video. You can still oh do that. God. We just, we, what are you did doing? I just hit all the cliches? <laughs> you're just a regular youtuber oh yeah baby that's that's me now after you make us your first listen make sure you also check out game to game nba they have you covered on every game across the association a part of locked on nba so again check that out anywhere you get your pods and uh you can also check that out i believe on youtube as well all right thanks for making us your first listen and uh have a great rest of your day 